Welcome to Faith City Outreach, where your host, Marina Maria, reaches out to the world to discuss Christian topics and providing biblical solutions, as well as praying for the nations. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The music in this broadcast is provided courtesy of Zapsplat.com. Now, here is your host, Marina Maria. Faith City Outreach. This is Marina Maria with today's special guests, and they are Pastor Esteban and Pastor Claudia Escobar from Cocopa Assembly of God Church in Somerton, Arizona. Thank you both for being on Faith City Outreach to share your testimonies and to share about how God has led you to Cocopa Assembly of God Church, which is a church located in the Cocopa Reservation. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It's an honor. I wanted to ask each each of you to share your um, salvation story. Well, I I grew up in church all my life. My parents were Christians but when I was born, so I literally grew up in church uh, all my life. I did not get saved until I was 17 years old. Um, I came to a point in my life where even though I grew up in church, um, I had a lot of problems in my life and a lot of things were going on in my life. And I literally had a problem with anger, uh, anger management and, and a lot of anger in my life, even though my whole family was Christians. Um, and uh, it was funny because I, that Sunday that I got saved, a uh, pastor was um, pastor that was invited to preach at a church. He wasn't from, from Yuma or Somerton. And he preached about the cross, a simple message about the cross that I have heard probably hundreds of times before that, but that night it seems like almost she was literally talking to me alone and nobody else. And I realized that that the way I was going and the things I was doing was taking me nowhere. And I literally, when the pastor finished preaching and he said, I want to pray if somebody wants to receive Jesus in their heart. And, and um, I literally walked up to the front and I told God, if you don't change me today, if you don't change my whole who I am, everything that I am, and do a whole 180 return all the way around because I don't want to be who I am right now. Yeah, I don't like it. I'm in trouble. I don't know where to turn. And the only way is up. And I said, I need you right now. And if you don't do it today, then then I'm going to leave church and never come back. I had a big problem at church with, with people, um, with the ushers, pastors. And I was a kind of like a rebel at church when I was young. Um, and so literally I just, I was in the altar and I cried and cried and cried and cried. And I used to hate everyone in the world. I didn't like anybody. I didn't like people talking to me or telling me anything or even looking at me at school. I was always in fights. And, and that night when I finished crying at the altar and I got up from there and, and I tell people it was really different for me because I didn't feel like, I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel a light. I didn't, I didn't see a light like people tell. I saw this and I felt it. I didn't feel absolutely anything. The only thing that happened to me when I got up from that altar and I turned around to go to my seat, I wanted to hug everybody. I mean, literally, I wanted to hug everybody, something that I would never do. And, I mean, it was like a total change for me in my mind and in my heart and how I felt for people. And so I, I literally went and hugged almost everyone in church and apologize to almost everybody in church, even the deacons and the ushers who have, I had treated really bad. And that night I had a friend take me out 
and I went knocking on doors and asked for forgiveness to people that I have hurt during my, you know, my school and my life and stuff like that. And we literally knocked on doors and people asked me, are you crazy? I said, no, I just found the one that literally changed my life totally, completely and took the hate out of my heart and put his love on me. And, and so I want to apologize for all the things that I did to you because now, now I don't hate you anymore and I love you. And I want you to know the love that only Jesus Christ can give to somebody you know, even if you think that nobody can help you, nobody loves you, he's the one that can literally can change your life instantly. Because for, for me, it was an instant, total change. And it has never gone back. It's just the same way. And I, I tell my wife and other people, I I haven't gotten mad the way I used to. I, you know, everybody gets a little bit angry or whatever, but I, I, I used to lose control of my life. I used to lose control of what I was. And even my wife makes fun of me. She says, you look, you don't look good when you're angry. You don't, it doesn't fit you. So don't get angry. You know, so, so, so my life changed completely instantly. I tell people, God can change you instantly. If you really want to, you have to want to change. So God won't do it because he's God. He'll do it because you want to. And for me, that was a turning point. I said, God, you need to do it now. I want you to do it. I need you to do it. This is the end for me. If you don't do this, this is, this is the last time you'll see me here. And God completely changed me that night. And since I was 17 years old, I'm 55 now. And I'm still the happiest guy in the whole world, you know, <laughs> because of what God did to me back in 1983. Amen. So, so how did people re- react to, to you? Because they saw you first as a rebel. And then all of a sudden you turn around and you start hugging and loving them. How did they yeah. react to that? The, the people at church were like, no, they wouldn't even hug me. They would just stood there. And, <laughs> Okay, is he real or is he playing a joke? And I was a huge dude. <laughs> yes. And so so it was like really funny at first because we were like, okay, is this really happening? You know, and like I said, because I didn't really feel anything until the time that I got up and turned around to go to my seat. It's like it hit me that second when I turned around and looked at the people. And I and I literally, I literally went and hugged everybody in church. It was, I mean, a totally different person. You know, even the people outside of church, when I went and told them, couldn't believe it. You know, and they couldn't believe that I had changed, that I was somebody new, different, and that I that I could literally tell them, you know, I love you. I don't really hate you. I love you now. And so there was a lot of mixed emotions and feelings and, and reactions to people, you know, because it, I was literally, literally a rebel you know, when I was in church and, and I did a bunch of stuff that I wasn't supposed to do. But God had a plan in my life and that was my time. And, and, I, and it was an awesome, an awesome. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget the day because it, it changed my life completely. And it changed the lives of a lot of people because they couldn't believe that, that I had literally changed. I said, listen, it, I didn't do anything. All I did is ask God to do it. And yes. You know? So your transformation, you know, how the Lord transformed you was a pure witness to them. Yes. To want to go to the Lord. Yes. And if he can do that to you, to a rebel, then yes. he can do that to us too, right? Exactly. Yes. But in if I may add to his testimony, Absolutely. so many times, and I rejoice every time he mentions it. He um in 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 due to the same transformation, there was also you've always said that's the oppression or the or the opposite, the negative out of it. Um, being that he was transformed in all aspects, even his demeanor, his face. He was a happy person and he carried a smile. Um, one of the things that, that he was sharing his testimony and he has shared it with, with me as well is that the following day when he went to school, 
um, his, he lost friends because I guess those friends wanted him to be a rebel. And when they asked him, why do you have this, you know, what happened to you? You look different. And he wanted to evangelize to them. He wanted to share the love. And a day after, he lost all his friends. Isn't that, I don't understand that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. My friends were not Christian, so we hung up. We literally hung up in the same corner of school every single day. We met there every single day. Whoever got there first went there. That Monday after Sunday, I was the first one there. And it was really weird because everyone that got there after me were asking me the same question. What happened to you? You know, and I was like, why? Because you looked so different than what you look. <laughs> I didn't have to say anything. I didn't even, you know, they realized it right away. And I, I got to share with them what happened to me on Sunday. You know, and I said, I can't do the things that I used to do anymore because I gave my life to Jesus and Jesus made a difference in my life. And one by one, when they got there, they, they walked away from me. And, and literally, I just stood there by myself, you know, and I told God, well, Maybe you took him away for a reason, you know? So right. I'm glad I had him in my life, but now I'm glad that you did this because now I can continue doing what I'm supposed to do. You know? Amen. Away from what we have because he wants to do something different with us. That's right. Yes, you're a new creature in Christ, and God has a purpose and a plan for you. And we're going to get to that in a, in a couple minutes. Pastor Claudia, what is your salvation story? Well, I, nothing compared to his, I will tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Very quite similar. See, I, I didn't have the honor nor the privilege to be raised in a Christian home. And then I had amazing parents. I, I also had my mother, thank the Lord. My father passed away um, a few years ago and a very young age. He passed away at 64 um, with lung cancer. And in mm, um, God strengthened us. I was able to feel his love in the midst of the storm. I was able to be with him, hold his hand. And not only that, I was able to have him re receive a blessing from my father the last weekend that I saw him. I would go to every chemotherapy with him. And on the last one, I said, Daddy, every time I come, being that I'm the only Christian in my home, I would tell my daddy, you asked me to pray for you, and I will always pray for you. And every time I leave, I say a blessing, a prayer, and I, and I go back home. My parents used to live in San Bernardino, California, and, um, and I lived here in Arizona. So we would travel every month, four hours, just to be with him. And my father said, I told my father, Daddy, I go, in, in the Bible, parents will bless their kids. Mm -hmm. And I said, Daddy, would you please bless me? me would you please pray for me i said i always pray for you i go but today I want something different who would have known that was the last prayer my dad would would bless me and pray over me mm. for that following two days later he, he passed away but i asked the lord for a miracle and when my daddy passed away kind of questioned him not in a bad way not in an angry way i i worded this this words came out of my heart is i wanted to see a miracle lord and of course, the Holy Spirit loves you up and cares for you and brings the peace and the love and joy once in your heart. And he says, I gave you a miracle. And I said, yes, because your daddy gave his life to me. Your daddy gave his life to me. And that was a miracle. Yeah. Much right. greater than a physical miracle. He yes. gave his Amen. life. That's so so best. Well, best. But more <laughs> to that, my, my salvation story, um, one would say, would start off as a little girl, always happy, always rejoice. My mom said that I always carried a smile, that I was a happy little girl in the house. And But, you know, the, the difference is that I, I had 
uh, an Esteban in the house. Angry <laughs> sibling. <laughs> <laughs> Who, um, since he was born, um, had some anger issues. And um, sadly, my sister and I um, were actually his his punching Punching bags. bags. (laughs) Um, If I may say, I know people say, you know, why you smile? Well, because the Lord healed me. The Lord healed me and and gave me the heart to forgive my brother. But since I was nine years old, um, a little girl came to move uh, move in our residence and um, I befriended her. My brother and I, he only wins me by, by a year, and um, he and I were inseparable, inseparable. Despite of his anger issues, him and I were inseparable. Mm-hmm. But when a girl comes over and and um, moves into our neighborhood, I go and befriend her, and I take her my Barbies and want to play with her. And um, he took that offensively. He took it like, you, you, you chose her over me. And his way to express or show his anger was physical, violently. Well, from the age of nine to the age of 20, he would um, abuse me physically with um, hitting me. And not only myself, but my siblings as well had received that. Even my friends, unfortunately, would come to visit and they would leave with a bruise here or a bruise there. And it was never in the, well, it was normally not in the body because um, it would not leave bruises. It was basically in the face because that was more of the, the trophy. You know, you could see your marks. And and I know he didn't mean it in, in the sense of um, he hated me. It wasn't that. It, it was just that he had so much anger. And and we hadn't yet was able to discover, resolve it. And I, now I understand. He didn't have Christ. Mm-hmm. He didn't have Christ. So he didn't understand the love, the joy, the 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 discipline to be able to hold back and, and love others. And if he wasn't able to love himself, how could he love others? And and due to this, um, he started hitting me at the age of nine, 10, 11. By the age of 12, I recall telling him, and I recall like it was just yesterday, um, telling him, do not go to sleep today because today I will kill you. A little girl that still played with Barbies, a little girl that was so innocent, um, was already plotting how she was going to kill her brother. Now, I carried that anger. I carried that resentment. I carried that, that, that feeling that I wanted to give him back what he wanted, what he was doing to me. It, it hurt him. And, um, and obviously, I'm still here, and I'm not in jail because um, I, I fell asleep first. <laughs> <laughs> and because I was asleep, I was not able to go through that action. I praise the Lord for putting me to sleep. Right. <laughs> so the next day, I remember that, you know, it, Marina, during the process of the times that he would do that, when when the next day, I would just love him. I would just smile at him. And it's funny because I wasn't a Christian. We were not raised Christian. I did not come from a Christian home. We we served a religion. We served idols. We served um, a, a, a cultural tradition that was passed on by my grandmother to my mother. And we, we, we followed it. Um, and I felt a void. I felt an emptiness. Besides having that 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 feeling of anger and violence, I became very bitter and I became very angry. And when it came to have to associating with a gentleman, I never trusted them. Um, uh, during the process, I, I, at the age of 13, I, it was the first time that I, I was molested. A gentleman that lived in our neighborhood um, 
uh, molested me. And from there on, I didn't trust anyone. I, I had anger because of my brother. I didn't trust men. And I didn't, and I didn't feel beautiful enough to be loved and respected. As the years passed, um, the Lord sent an angel. And I always call my husband, you were the angel. It was him, I mean, <laughs> in my past. And here I am, a bitter, angry young lady. And to him, it's like, I loved your smile. I don't even remember smiling. I was so angry. <laughs> <laughs> he would tell me, I love your smile. And he said, um, so at that time, you know, I remember having so many questions, you know, I would go to the church and I would go confess and I would ask the father, please, you know, I, I, I need healing. And I remember all he would tell me is to, to pray certain prayers and that things will be okay. Well, if things were not getting okay, the things were getting worse and worse. Finally, at the age of 20, November 7th at 10 o'clock at night, 1992, I recall telling my brother-in-law, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm done. I was very suicidal. I, um, besides being molested, besides being physically abused, I was very suicidal. I recall the last time I tried committing suicide was in front of my husband um, when um, I just didn't care about life. I just felt like everything was never going to be normal, that I was going to be always abused, that I was not going to be loved, that I was ugly and unwanted. And I was a runaway child. I would ditch a lot in school, but yet I was a straight-A student because I wanted to make my parents proud. And that evening, November the 7th, 1992, at 10 o'clock at night, I recalled telling the Lord, I, I surrender. And I gave my life to the Lord. And it was one particular reason, was because through the process of knowing my husband, well, at that time was my boyfriend, I was so bitter. I was so angry. I was so violent. I, I, I came to a point I even hit him because that's all I need to do. I knew I could only protect myself by showing physically abuse. Mm -hmm. And um, and he never hit me. And he never mm -hmm. cussed at me. And he never yelled at me what I was, which I was used to doing, feeling and hearing. And, and I realized, why? Why don't you hit me? Why don't you hate me? Why don't you abuse me like other people did? And, and I saw Christ through him. He didn't talk to me about Jesus. He showed me Jesus. Mm. And because of that reason, I wanted that Jesus he had. I, I wanted to know him. Uh, I wanted to love him. I wanted to embrace him the way he had him. So I gave my life to the Lord. And let me tell you, Marina, I will never go back again. <laughs> and even though I'm the only Christian, and still to today, I get on my knees and I ask the Lord for my family. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the Lord's salvation for each and yes. every one of them. Yes. And now I know my daddy's with and the Lord in heaven, but I still have my mommy. And I still have my dad and my, my brothers and sisters and my nephews and nieces, but one day, one day, that day will come like it did to me. And I am waiting for that beautiful, wonderful day. But I gave my life to the Lord because someone showed me Christ. Did he tell me about Christ? He showed me the love of Christ. And that's the day I gave my life to, to the Lord. And since then, we've been serving the Lord in whatever means, whatever comes our way, we're right there, hands on. So that's my my salvation story. I want to say something really quick about that. That sort of people who are uh, Christians who are going out with uh, or going through a similar situation that we went when we were going out. 
Um, when this thing's happening in our lives, when we're going out and and she would, you know, get angry and treat me that way, stuff like that. It, and I, I tell the story sometimes. It, I tell it as a joke, but I said it three times. I told God, I, I don't <laughs> want, I don't want her. I, that's it. I'm done. You know, and and but, but the problem is that that when God called me and he, when I saw her the first time and 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 God said she's the one, and I said okay. But then when we started dating and all this was happening, I'm like, okay, that she can't be the one. You know, that, that, no. You know, I was working with the youth at that time in my church. You know, I was working and I was like, I can't, I can't be dating her like this and, and be working with the youth. I said, this is no God. This is not going to work. You know, and, and so I told God, I don't, I don't know. I don't want her. You know, and God says, that's the one. You know, that is, the, and three times I asked God for something and three times God answered me the same way. He said, this, she is the one, whether you like it or not. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that, Sometimes we have to be obedient to God, even if we think it's not the right thing to do. But if God says to do it, it is because he knows what's going to happen 10, 15, 20, 25 years from, from that point. And he knows exactly the future and what's going to come out, out of it instead of you thinking, but this is not what I want. This is not what uh, this is not a problem. The problem is that we obey God and That's say, right. OK, God, if she's the one, I'm going to go through this because you have appointed this time and I'm going to do this. You know, and now we look back at all this like. Man, I am so happy that I was obedient to God and that I obeyed God, you know, 28 years ago, you know, that we are here now and God has blessed us in a mighty way and God has used us, you know, with all, you know, in churches and where we've been to. And I said, this wouldn't have happened if I would have said, I don't want her, you know, I'm going to marry somebody else. But when God picks a person for you, God never makes a mistake. Right. It is always right. Even if you think it is not the one I wanted, it doesn't make a difference. God knows absolutely best the best thing you can do is obey god if god told you she's the one or he is the one he's the one she's the one do not go away from that because god already told you he will turn things around to make it right because he already promised you that that's what it is amen pastor claudia what would you, what would you say or what advice would you give and also pastor esteban what advice would you give to those um people, either men or women, who are the only Christians in their families and who are dealing with so much, um, so much struggle. Oh, the main thing that comes to my mind, my spirit right now is do not quit. Do not quit. Do not quit and trust in the Lord with all your mind and all your soul. I come with with this in my heart and my my full testimony and full witness that God does still do miracles. God has not failed. Just because I don't see my family completely all giving their life to the Lord right now does not mean God failed. Is that it is in due time. He's such a perfect God that he does not you know, interrupt your life in the sense that he's pushing himself in you. He's so graceful. He's so beautiful. Such a gentleman. And he's such perfect that he enters your life right at the right time, at the right moment. Now, I know my family have witnessed in many occasions miracles. Yeah, they have witnessed the presence of the Holy Ghost. They have experienced the the presence of the Lord moving in the midst of their storms and their situations. I've seen that they have called me. And what I love about this is that they, they reach out and they tell me, who would have known that when my daddy passed away, they would say, oh, Claudia, we want you to to lead the service for our daddy. Of course, that was, I had to really seek the Lord and say, Lord, you're really going to ask me to be right there in front of my daddy and lead 
the, the funeral service, but yet it is his mercy and his grace and his love that it, he uses the right person in the right time. And, the, and I believe that if someone right now is questioning God, I think we're just wasting too much time in the questioning and, and focus mm-hmm. more on the, the trusting. I believe that God is and will do something amazing in my family and in his due perfect yes. time. And I just I ask for anyone who's listening right now, do not quit. Do, you know, pers- persevere, trust in the Lord. And like his word says in the Psalms, be still and know that he is yes. God. Yes. For he knows the plans he has for us. It's to give us prosper, to prosper, to, to give us strength, to give us hope, to give us, you know, the passion to lead us, to guide us, to help us through the storms and the situation situations but we got to trust him even though we don't see any movement the hands of god is always moving yes. Yes. amen well, pastor Stephen. I, I grew up in a christian home but but i've talked to a lot of people and i said that a lot of people that don't uh, believe in our god um i believe that they want to be loved like like my wife said i wanted the love that he was feeling with god yes i wanted it i wanted to feel that thing in me but sometimes I believe sometimes that we Christians are a little bit too pushy with their family because we love them so much that we want them to change him like now. And I want mm-hmm. God to do it now. And I want to speak to you about Jesus every time I see you. And I'm going to give you, give you, give you, give you. But sometimes they just want to see Jesus in you. You know, they don't, they don't really want all the talk. They want to see it Absolutely. and they want to see it through you. And, and when you talk to them, all you got to do is just, be normal with them and love them. And they're going to start seeing that the Jesus that you love, that you're willing to do anything for him, is going to start transmitting from you to them. That's and right. they're going to realize, I want that which he has. You know, and so sometimes we just got to love them the way they are, you know, but but through our lives and through our actions, show them who he really is. I must emphasize, if I may, what he just said right now and piggyback what he just said. I, I clarified it right now and I testified it right now that, my husband never talked to me about Jesus. He showed me Jesus. I wanted mm-hmm. to know that Jesus, just the fact of, of, of how he, he acted, the way he spoke, the way he, he dealt with issues, um, completely the opposite, the way I would deal with issues. And I wanted, it came to a point where I needed a savior. It came to a point that I needed Jesus in my life. It came to a point that I had needed to surrender. And I went and asked, I want that God that you show me. Not that you told me, you show me. And that's I think that's one of the main keys is showing the love, showing the, the Christ through us to others as opposed to hearing it. So many corrupted situations have happened. So many people have had bad experiences with churches, with, with, with ministers or what, whatnot, and yet they believe everyone's like that. And because of that reason, they don't want to step into the church. Then in that case, we need to be the church. We need mm-hmm. to be the voice. And, and if I'm the only Christian in my house, I need to show and be Christ-like and show the love of Jesus and show, you know, what he does and who he is through my actions, mm-hmm. through my actions. And, I and not just really inside the church, outside the church. Exactly. exactly. Especially because, outside the church. Especially mm-hmm. because people might ever, ever want to be there. People might not ever want to step into a church. So that's why we are the church. We are the, we, we are to be the voice or the, the ambassadors, the the uh, advocates, we're supposed to be Christ-like to those, not only in, in our church, but outside of our church, especially in our family. You know why it's even more scarier for people? Because they know you. Mm-hmm. Because they know you. Oh, they know my past. Oh, they know who mm-hmm. I am. Not, for more of a reason, show them. 
And what I do love through all this process that my family take the time to call me because they're not looking at the Claudia who was before. They're looking at the Claudia who is now. And, and now I'm able to receive those calls and say, sister, would you pray for me? And I love mm-hmm. that because it's Christ in me, not because I told them about Christ. Yes. Amen. I know you both are now pastoring Cocopa Assembly of God Church. How or what were you doing beforehand, and how did this lead to um, you becoming the pastors there? Well, um, we were youth pastors of our church that's literally half a mile away from our house here. Um, uh, the name is Monte Sinai, and we were there as youth pastors for four or five years. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I got this sense in my heart that I needed to study. And I, I know why now, but but uh, so I did all my studies and, and got my credentials. And I thought I'm just going to, you know, have them there and it's going to be there and stuff like that. And, and to be honest with you and the people, I literally told God I didn't want to be a pastor. Um, I love mission trips. I've done mission trips, and I told God, I don't want to be a pastor. I mean, I'm cool here where I am. I'm comfortable. Mm-hmm. It's here. It's on my house. You know, we got youth and, and, and all this stuff, and, and we're doing okay. My wife loves the youth. We love the youth. And, and so it's, it's absolutely cool, and we've been doing it for over 20 years. And and so we're like, this is where we want to be. Uh, but God had a plan for, for us. And, and so so one day when we were uh, prayer meeting at church, um, and, and I knew God got to call. I knew it in my heart that God had called me. I didn't know where. My wife and I had talked about this. And we said, listen, our kids are gone. What if God calls us out of the country? What if he calls us somewhere else? Are we willing to, to just get up and leave our home and leave what we have and, and go? And we looked at each other and said, yes. You know, whatever God wants now, you know, we'll do. You know, because I believe that if you're obedient to God, then God will bless you in absolutely everything. And so we're like, okay. And whatever God wants. One day we were in a prayer meeting at our church, and we had just finished prayer meeting. It was a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and uh, there was about maybe 12, 14 of us prayers. You know, prayer is always the smallest group of the whole church. You know, <laughs> so when we have a prayer meeting, almost nobody wants to go. But but we were there praying, and when it, when everything ended, the, the pastor of our church announced that she had gotten a call from the district that there was a church um, in the Cocopa Nation uh, that was empty, that had been empty for a while, and that they were looking for somebody. And they didn't say to pastor the church. They were looking for a church to kind of um, take over the, the church and kind of send somebody to preach every Sunday and, you know, kind of rotate and, and do some, and something like that with the church. And so we, we said, we're going to pray about it. My pastor said, we're going to pray about it, and then we'll see what happens. And then if God leads us to do this, then we're going we're gonna to do it. And so so anyway, we were standing there, and we prayed to, uh, to end. We were about to leave, and this brother walked up to me from behind me and tapped me on my shoulder. And I turned around, and he's, he's a friend of mine. He's uh, uh, Hispanic, and he doesn't really speak a lot of English. It's really bad. And uh, he spoke to me in English, and he looked at me. And he said, are you ready? And I looked at him, and I said, yes, I'm ready. And he asked me again, are you really ready? And I said, yes, I'm ready. And I thought in my head, why is he talking to me in English? You know, it would be easy for right. him to talk to me. You know? And so he said, I had a dream. And he's talking to me in English. He's like, why are you doing this in English? You know, it's like, and so he says, I had a dream about, about you. And I'm like, what? He says, yes. He says, I was standing in the corner of where your property is at on County 17 and a half and Avenue B and a half. 
And I was standing there, he says, and all of a sudden I saw like a big fire that was towards the nation of the Cocopas, because I live about half a mile from literally the nation of the Cocopas. And we live in a hill, and then the nation is underneath the hill. And, and so he says, I saw like a fire coming from that side. He says, so I ran, and I ran, and I ran. I got there to the point where I was, he says, and I could see the little church from the top of the hill, and, and the, the little sand was there. He says, I could see the church, and there was like a fire coming from heaven on top of the church, but the church wasn't burning. He says, so I ran and I ran and I ran and I got to the church. He says, and when I looked inside the church in the window, he says, it was you. He says, I saw you inside the church. He says, it is you. You're supposed to go. And he's telling me this in English. I'm like, how did, where did you learn English this fast? You know, all this time like, wow. And then he looked at me. He says, yes. Are you ready? He pointed at me and I said, yes, I am ready. And so that day, my wife and I talked about it. We're like, this brother talked to me in English. Why did he talk to me in English? And then God will because you're about to start preaching in Spanish. Because I've been preaching in, in, I mean, in English, because I've been preaching in Spanish all my life. And now we were switching from Spanish to English. And this is why this reason this brother was talking to me all in English. It's amazing. If you want to go to a place where you're going to preach and speak to people in English, no more Spanish, you know? And so my wife and I talked about it and we said, let's pray to God and let's, this be the will of God. So, so my wife and my kids took a four-day trip to close to Flagstaff, and we uh we went down there and we went to that cabin and he said we're gonna go pray and fast for four days and we want God to really tell us exactly what we need to do because we don't want to start this thing wrong and we want to do it right. And so we went. We, we were there four days. At the end of the at the Sunday or Monday morning, uh, Sunday night we was the last night we were coming back on. Monday morning, and um, I prayed to God, and I thought, because I wanted to see snow, and I told God, I want to see snow, and it's supposedly now, it's uh, what's supposed to snow, and so I'm like, God, I really want to see snow before I leave, you know, stuff like this, and please let me, you know, and I said, if you allow me to see snow, then I'll know that this is you, and, and we've been praying for three days already, and God has been showing us wonderful things, and it was totally awesome, and and in the, we went to sleep, I got up early in the morning, about six o'clock, and, and uh, I was in the kitchen, and just trying to see what we're going to do and, and we're up to leave. And so I opened the window, I opened the window, everything outside was white. Mm-hmm. Everything <laughs> was absolutely white. I, I ran outside, opened the door. My oh, how beautiful. The road was white. And so I oh. ran outside, was like, yes! You know? <laughs> so I went to my car and I wrote on the, wind, on the back window, I wrote, uh, he asked and I said, I do. Oh, you know? that's and nice. There's your confirmation. Yes, and yes. so we came back home, talked to our pastors, and, and we said, we want to talk to you about the church. And, and so I told the pastor, he said, you know what? I knew it. He said, I had a dream about this. He said, I knew you were going to take over the church. And so it was comf- double confirmation from yes. there, and the pastor shared where they kind of told them. And, and so after that, we, we told we we'll do it. Uh, we'll go. You know, And uh, they called us up in a meeting. We had a meeting with everybody, and, and I told them, and uh, we're, we'll do this. You know, And uh, we talked about it now that we are – probably the only missionaries in another country that live in their own home. You know, <laughs> and, 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 you know, so I, said, I told the people at church, we, we crossed the, the country border every day from the United States to, to the Cocopa Nation, you know, and so every day we come over here. And, and so God gave us uh, a gift, and I, and I really believe it's a gift. And this is the way I took it since the beginning. When they handed me the keys to the church, I told uh, uh, Brother uh, Cota, I said, bro, I just – I feel like I just won the lottery with this. Yes. 
Oh. And, and I told God that day when they mm. left the church of God, don't never take this feeling away from me. Yes. Don't never take this feeling away from me. Amen. You're giving me a gift. So that I mm-hmm. that you have honored me by giving me a gift to be here. And I am honored that you have called me and my wife and my family to be at this place that you already said for us from a long time ago. That's right. And and so so we did it because God God asked us to do it. And we know we're being just obedient. So God, I'm going to obey you. And he says, if you obey me, I will bless you. Right. And I said, I will mm-hmm. obey you. And I said, don't ever leave me. And I will do everything you ask me to do. And I will preach to them whatever you want me to tell them, you know, until you change the life of the nation. And this is how God called us to be here. You know, this is. And if I may add to that, uh, Marina, that I think that our experience were actually our boot camp. Yeah. Um, we, um, when we started in the ministry was back in early 1994, 93. And, um, we started serving the youth department. And I recall, mind you, being someone that has no background in, in religion, no background in theology, no background in, in studies and training. It, I, 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 all I could have is raw testimonies of real true life experiences that I could say, hey, this is where the Lord took me from and here I am right now. And when our pastor at that time um, sat us down and said, listen, I'm starting this, uh, the church, I'm now the pastor of the church, and I want you guys to help me with the youth ministry. And immediately I put a big old smile. I'm thinking, you know, that'd be great. I've never experienced something like this, and I want my, uh, I, I want to help my husband. So I, in my spirit, in my mind, it's like, oh, yeah. Have him do it. Yes, yes, yes. I'll back him up. I'll back him up. Little did I know that through the process, God saying, no, 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 I got something for you. And your question was, you know, what were we doing before? Um, well, what started off with just being his support ended up being where we're together as a team serving um, and we talked about the nations and in, in, in the um, in different countries. And one of the things that we have um, served has been with um, workshops. Um, we have done concerts. We have um, back in 2003, um, I had the honor to record a CD. And with that said, my um, we were able to travel around the world and, and give the gospel through music, but also in word. And this little, this young lady right here who, always felt that she was nothing, no one, um, was now being called not just to minister in song, but was being called to give a word. And the reason I'm saying it is not to exalt myself in the country. The only one I want to exalt is the Lord. But I say this because when we come to a point where we question, what are you doing for the Lord? It's not what I could do for the Lord is what the Lord has already planned in my life. And God already planned what we were going to be doing. He already knew that this person that was completely shy, this person that would not speak in front of people, this person that would be hiding. I was the one with the hair in the face where I was hiding, the only little girl in the corner. That was me. And then now I'm here in front of, you know, if it's not a number of five people, it'll be a number of thousands of people. And I'm saying, who are you to be doing these things? And God says, you don't understand. I'm preparing you. And now that we're senior pastors, I come and tell my husband, I understand now. <laughs> I understand dealing with youth and their stories because now we're going to deal with different cultures. Yeah. We're going to deal with different characters. We're going to deal with different actions. We're going to deal with those who are humble and we're going to deal with those that are tough, you know, you know, hard-hearted and all this. And then speaking about 
teaching and, and, and ministering to other people. Now you're the pastor of a church. Now you're the senior pastor. Now you have to go, you know, get on your knees in a different way. Now seek him in a different way. Speak to them in a different way. And I'm thinking, Lord, all this you had us to do. Oh, and not only that, we don't have musicians. <laughs> so I laugh about my husband laugh about this too, because we don't have musicians. We don't have any musicians. And yet that 2003 recording has now led to, I'm the worship leader, and let's just do tracks. Let's just do tracks. Let's bring, <laughs> let's bring, let's bring you know, a hill song. Let's bring here. Let's bring there. And I love it. I'm thinking, now I understand why you had me doing that then. Because now I'll be in front. I've always said I serve a, a, an audience of one because that one person is so important. So I tell that one person, I'm going to give you the best concert so you can understand the love we have for Christ. And then when my husband goes and preaches or I I myself give a word we've always said we're going to speak to you like we are speaking to a multitude because you're that important and it has now come and dawn in our spirit that that's where we were at then what were we doing before we were in boot camp <laughs> we were right really crafting getting pre- prepared for what we're doing today now i know the lord um was preparing you and this is not just any church i mean you're in the reservation this is the kokopa assembly of god church let's talk about the cultural um part of kokopa church you um have kokopa and Ketchin people right the Ketchin uh, natives can you tell us a little bit more about them the cultural traits or anything that you have learned so far yes um i think one of the things i love about the kokopas and the kushan and the people that are there is they're really truly family oriented they love families and they they are. Um, I told people that it's funny because I've had conversations with them and, and, and I can have real conversations with them now and, and be honest with them. And, and I told one of the members, I said, it is funny that, that in your culture, you guys love family and you're so united as a family, but, but you can talk about each other in a bad way, negative way. And it's okay if you talk bad about your brother, but you won't allow anybody else to talk bad about your brother. Even though if you hate your brother at the moment and you don't like him, you will defend him with somebody else, especially if they're not from the Kukupas or the Kachani. They're from somebody else like me that an outsider there. And I love that they have because I told my wife, it is so interesting that they, they know the family is super, super important. So this is what we're trying to work on with them and say, you know what? Family is really important for God. God created family. God did this for a purpose. And God did this because he wanted you guys to know that, hey, family is super important. And I believe that I know that because of everything that has happened in, in you know, the Coco Pass and in the tribes and stuff like that, it's really hard to connect all this stuff with God and stuff like that. But I told him, you guys, the love that you have for family is something that God put in your hearts for a reason, you know. And, they're, and it's funny because people tell me they're really hard and they told me we're really hard people, you know, and we're not, we're not, you're not coming here and change us like just because you want us. I'm not here to change you guys at all. I'm here to speak to you about Jesus and I'm going to allow Jesus to change you guys. You know, I'm not anybody to change anybody else, but I'm going to come and show you who Jesus is in my life and what he's done in my life. And through me, what I do for you and the way I'm going to serve you guys with my wife here and my family is going to show you that, that the love of Jesus goes beyond that, the love that you have for each other. Because he's the one that gave it absolutely all, 
you know, to die on the cross for you and for me. And so one of the best traits that I love about them is that family oriented and the love that they have for each other as, yes. a, as, as family members. Yes. It's so awesome, you know, and they love to cook. Oh, yes, they do. And, and, and we love to cook. <laughs> and, and we like and, to and, eat. And I tell people, <laughs> you love to eat, we love to eat. So God put us together for this reason. So, you know, so everything is kind of coming together and, and so it, it is It is totally awesome to learn so many things about them that we didn't know. Even though I grew up here and I had friends that went to school with me, uh, we rode the same bus to school. Uh, and so I had friends there from a long time ago. Um, I don't know where they are right now, but but anyways, but, but, but it's so cool to learn so many things about them that are so different that we don't do or things that we're like, they do this this way and they do that that way. And I told, but their commitment to family is always there no matter what. You know, you can't yeah. break that commitment. You can't break that, what they have, the unity. Even though, even though that sometimes in between them, there's arguments and all this stuff, they always come back, you know, and they always unite. And that that's totally awesome for me. Do you believe that um, it is okay to let the Kokopa or even just the natives um, express their their worship in their own cultural way? Well, um, they have their own way of worshiping. Um, And I believe that, uh, I told my wife, I've been to a lot of their events now that I've been there and I've been invited to their events and I see their events, stuff like that. And and, uh, I told people, my wife and I have talked about it, I said, it is so interesting that they are so committed to their beliefs that they, you know, they, they do it because this is the belief that they have. And I said, and I and I, I learned something from them that no matter what happens, the commitment to their belief is there and you can't get them away from that. And I said, a lot of us Christians don't have that, that big of a commitment with Jesus Christ, the one who gave his life for us, that we will do things, but we're not committed 100% to do them. And I said, even though we think maybe they're doing it wrong because of my beliefs, because of the way I grew up, I said, but they're, they're committed to doing this no matter what, you know, and I have encouraged them. And I, I've talked to parents of uh, some of the girls who go to our church. And I told them, listen, I, I would like someday for you guys to come all dressed up to my church. And, and you guys can do, you know, um, the dance that you guys do and the singing that you guys do. Because I love the way they do it. I love the way it happens, you know. And I said, I want to be in between all this stuff because I want to show you that no matter what we do, what we do, Jesus Christ is always going to be the center of our lives. And Jesus Christ is the one that gave his life. And we are to worship him and him alone because he is God. After all, he's the only one that created absolutely everything, even you and everybody else. So you do, you do feel comfortable or you do agree that you should allow them to worship the Lord in their own cultural way as long as the focus is Jesus. Yes. Yeah, I don't want to, and I told him, I don't want to change of, you know mm-hmm. who you are, and mm-hmm. I, I told my wife the other day, if who we are is totally different than what we are, uh, who we are is what God created us to be, and and what He had in, in His mind of what Esteban was supposed to be when he grew up. What I am is what the world and sin and family and friends made me to be. You know, so so who they are, I want to keep who they are, but but you know what has been put in them. You know, through the life and of their families and ancestors and and everybody that, that everything that has been taught to them, it's it's what I want to get to them and say, listen, this is yes, this is who you are, but this is what you have become because of 
everything that's happened in the world, you know, and I'm okay with them worshiping God as long as Jesus Christ is the center. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm totally okay. We have people go in there and sing in their own language, in the Cocopa language, and I love it. I totally love it. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife and I, we talked about this. We we want to learn Cocopa. And mm-hmm. and it's kind of told I'm 55 now. It's gonna be hard for me to learn Cocopa, but we're gonna we're gonna try. We're gonna try to learn some of it and some of the songs that they sing because they sing some really beautiful songs. And there's some Christian songs already that they have already uh, put them into the Cocopa language, and so they have gone and sang them at church. And and so I really love that that. So I think if we combine the way they 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 worship God, and if they do it with that passion and with that commitment, and if they do it to to worship God, uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, then then everything can explode in the nation of the Cocopas because it will be a uh, an infusion of what they do with the God yes. of the heavens, you know, and that could that could really blow up in the whole nation, and, you know, and say, okay, yes, God still wants you to worship that way, but I want you to worship me now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Amen. It's very, very contagious the way you present yourself. Um, I've noticed in the beginning they were very serious. They were very quiet. Yeah. Um, my husband actually came to one day, um, had the freedom to tell them, and I love the fact that they laughed, that they didn't get up and leave. He said, I just have a question for you guys. Um, <laughs> did you guys ever, I mean, we guys were like raised and, and, and taught to... Yeah, went to school. I told, did you guys... Send, did they send you guys to school when you were little and taught you guys how not to smile? You know, <laughs> because it was, you know, it's and that's what I and 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 it was it was something that we were able to open up and be you know freely open up and and see the change in them and they they, they started opening up with us but I wanted to share in the word of uh, in the book of Isaiah the words uh, that were written was my people perish for lack of knowledge and um, like Pastor said if God wanted everyone to be Hispanic, he'll make everyone Hispanic. If God wanted everyone to be American, if God wanted everyone to be American, you know, and, and in all nations, if he wanted all of them to be, he didn't. He wanted different, everyone to be unique in their own way. So that's kind of what we implement, how we worship the Lord. Now, um, in the beginning, I um, when we really started fixing the church and cleaning the church and beautifying the church as we were led by the Spirit to do, um, I happened to take some pictures um, to to present it in, in, a, in a PowerPoint to our our previous church as as our, our um, a, a, an update that was going on at the church. So I was taking some pictures, and when I happened to go behind the church, it was a little small um, hill in the home that's behind the church. And as I was there, some dogs came up. Um, ran towards me. Now, they were not going to bite me. First of all, they were very small, but still, they came to to bark at me, and when I saw them, I continued taking pictures, and I heard a male's voice said, oh, don't worry about those dogs. They will not hurt you. They will not bite you, and so I'm looking around, and I did not see anyone. I just heard the voice, and I uh, first reaction was lord <laughs> is that you speaking to me but then i happened to glance cleaner towards the house and under the carport there was a gentleman and i remember when i saw him i go oh, i'm sorry I, I i couldn't see you and i said oh don't worry about those dogs i told him i go they actually come and greet me every time i come to the church and he said oh they won't hurt you and but it was it was unique how that that i think it was a, a it was an agenda moment from god the gentleman says, I just want to let you know that the Cocoa Pop people are very hard people to reach. 
And I remember my first reaction, the first words that just flew out of my mouth was, well, I'm not here to change you. Mm-hmm. I'm here to love you, to spread the gospel, and to serve you. Now, if you happen to change, I say, if you happen to change, blame that to God. I go, that that, that would be God doing the work. Right. <laughs> to love you, to serve you, to spread the gospel. He looked at me. Now, I did not know that part of their culture is that they're not supposed to look at you in the eyes. So I was wondering why he kept on looking down. But at that moment, he lifted up his head and looked at me and said, you're going to do great here. <laughs> wow. Know, praise the Lord. Someone really important in, in, in that nation. I didn't mm. even very important there at the nation. And I had the privilege to, you know, share some words with him. Well, the reason why I said this was we, we back up those words. We back them up like, like a spine, you know, in, in our back where we said, we're not here to change people. God does that. He takes all the glory and all the credit. And so to them, we're not here to push or, or infuse or to, or to, Penetrate God in their hearts is show them the love of God, yeah. serve them. And, and because of that, because we, we backed those words up and we, we didn't force God in them. We didn't push the topic. We show them and we show them with funerals showing up. When, funerals are very sacred and you do not go unless you are invited. And they started inviting us to the funerals. And to us, it's like, we're just not going to sit down. Can we serve? Can we help you in the kitchen? We'll take some food. Now, this this Hispanic woman right here, I might I'm, I might not be the greatest cook, but I love to make big pots of menudo and big pots of pasta. <laughs> I, I make a lot of food. My husband, every time I cook, his wallet hurts because he says I cook so yeah. much food. But I was taking food, and the first thing they looked at me and said, you brought this? Why? You don't know these people. I said, I don't have to know them because I love you and my job is to be with those who mourn, then I'm here with you. And, and how do they, they respond? They started to come to the church. They started to come to the yeah. church. And because of the funerals, because wow. of the funerals, they started to come to church. And now, did I force God on them? Did we tell mm. them to teach their beliefs? Did we tell them what you guys are doing is wrong? Um, or, or, no, not in the contrary. We, we respect them. We show them. But then we talked about having God show them through our actions. He'll lead us to speak to them. They have come to us and question us. What do you think about the way we do our funerals? What do you think about our beliefs? And then they open a conversation and we're able to freely say, because they ask, as opposed to us going to them first and say, let me tell you what I think about this. They mm-hmm. ask. Or you telling them what to do. Exactly. Yes. And then uh, and, and <laughs> the way to get to that point of their asking it's finding that relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And by having a relationship, is them not feeling judged, condemned, or 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 pushed to something they're not ready You're for. accepting them. Yes, yes, exactly. No matter what. Exactly. You know, because exactly. God accepted us the way we were. Because of that reason, I think they see that we are real. And we told them, this is who we are. This is We're not going to come here and, and show you something else, and then we're going to go out of here and be something else. Yes. This is this is who my wife yes. and I are. Yes. We are this way. Whether we're with people or without people, this is who we are all the time. And, and because of that reason, they literally started inviting us to go preach at the funerals, which is not normal <laughs> for someone to preach at the funerals. And and so they had called me, can you preach at the funeral? I said, yeah, I can preach. And so I asked, what can I preach about in the funeral? Because sometimes you got to be careful what you say. I said, in a funeral, you can preach whatever you want. 
because it's a funeral out of respect for the dead. They will allow you to preach on anything and nobody will stop you or say anything to you while you're preaching because they respect the dead. And so in the funerals, I'm allowed to speak absolutely anything I want and say anything I want about the Bible or about Jesus Christ. I'm, a, I'm allowed to say that Jesus is the only way to get to heaven, that he said, I am the truth, the way, and the life, and no one comes to the Father if it's not through me. I can say that openly without having to say, you know, we don't believe that way. But in a funeral, you're allowed to say that, that Jesus is the one who died to pay for our sins so that we can go and be in heaven for all eternity and we don't have to pay a price for anything because jesus paid the debt that we we're supposed to pay and there's nothing you and i can do to to earn that but all we have to do is accept it and it's a free gift from god and you can say that in a funeral we have without having to think they might get mad at me because you mm. know i believe it's different but in a funeral it's so open and i can really share the gospel that way truly is and so through the funerals god has opened up doors for us, you know, and for the people to go to church because, hey, don't tell us, you don't have to be in the funeral. I know I don't have to be here, but I, I want to be here because because it's sad to me, you know, that that people are dying so young. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if it happens in Native Native tribe, Mariana, or not, but here people die really young. And 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 so when I look at that, I think, why, why is people dying so young? I mean, younger than me. Literally, almost everybody that has passed away is being younger than me. And I thought, and I told them, we're losing a whole generation of people. The middle generation is being wiped out. By Dying from what? From uh, drug from abuse, alcoholism, mm -hmm. um, suicide, um, and a lot of sickness, you know, diabetes, cancer, um, all that kind of stuff that they have problems with. And so I, I tell them, I want to make sure that God changes that, you know, because this is why I'm here. It saddens me every time. I, and I told him the last funeral, I told him it is a sad thing for me to stand here before you at a funeral of a 20-year-old girl that died because she was sick. And maybe because we couldn't tell her, you know, we couldn't get to her and say, hey, Jesus loves you. Not only he can save you, but he can heal you, you know, and that is our message. God can not only save, but he can heal you. And we are praying for healing in that in that nation. We've been praying, we've been praying, we've been praying. So God is going to tell us when. And we're going to do a healing service one of these months. And we're going to pray for people that are sick. Because I believe that God has a miracle for the nation of the Kokopas. And God is going to show his power yes. to them Amen. through the healing of people there. And, and, and God told me, not yet. Because I've been asking God, God, it's time, it's time, it's time. He said, not yet, not yet. Hold on. He says, because if I do a miracle right now and people start going to church, you don't have the people to serve them. You and your mm -hmm. wife alone cannot do it. I need to prepare people that are going to be put in your life and in the life of the church and in the life of the nation. So when this happens, you are ready for what is about to explode in a corporate nation. And I'm going to show who I am to them. But I need to get the people that you equip so that you can handle the people that are going to go there. We have run out of time, but we will return next Sunday with another guest the Lord has brought to Faith City Outreach. Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all you nations, extol him, all you peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. 
You have been listening to Faith City Outreach with Marina Maria as she interviews Christian pastors and leaders to discuss scriptures and topics affecting the Christian community and to pray for the nations. If you need to contact Marina Maria, please email her at fcoprogram at gmail.com. That email again is fcoprogram at gmail.com. Until next time, Marina wants to remind you from Matthew 6, 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The music used in this broadcast is used courtesy of Zapswat.com.